welcome to A Wealth of Positivity, a podcast that is designed to offer you a more positive outlook in a world of negativity. Brought to you by Ed McKenzie and Tristan Johnson of McKenzie & Co. Financial Consultants. Welcome back to our podcast. I'm Tristan. And I'm Ed. And today, as ever, on our theme of A Wealth of Positivity, we'll be discussing advice on how to start investing. So, Ed, what's your main tips for starting investing? Start early. Start early. Start now. Yeah. I, I, I met somebody yesterday who just had a new, new child and it was like, right, let's get something sorted out for them. So, baby, start investing, junior ices, junior pensions, you know, the earlier you can start, the better. And also, the, the great thing about, you know, starting investing for a youngster, especially the junior ices that are available now, is you can start that, that sort of habit and then hopefully you can pass on that habit to them when they get there is actually pass over the mantle of this is your investment. Now you save into it. You build those funds up. So it actually gives them something to when you're sort of 18, when you when you take over the ISA, then you can start building that in. And, and I've had really good success with a few young adults, children of, of clients who've gone through that process and actually, you know, save into it themselves now which is a good side of things as well. But I, I think the, the big tips that I always look at and the big advice I would say is, you know, start small and, and then build the habit in. So if you start and go, right, I'm going to save this massive amount in every month and it's quite pushy in and it's, you'll stop, start, stop. St- Actually, what you want to do is probably start off with a, a sort of a gentle amount that's pretty comfortable and then every so often just increase and increment this up. And, and as, because actually you'll get more and more and it become more and more comfortable as you go through time. Um, The worst habits are the ones, you know, it's it's a bit like crash dieting. You know, if you go on this massive sort of crash diet, you'll actually end up going the opposite direction because it's just not sustainable. It's not good for you. Actually, we want, you know, regular, gentle building up of of what's sustainable for you. So one of the biggest things I'd say is, look, don't, don't go crazy. I think the other thing is get rich slowly which is, you know, something we talk about all the time. You know, there are so many get-rich-quick schemes out there. You know, you've got trading, invest, you know, sort of the Bitcoin world where people have lost a lot of money. People have made money out of it, but it's very speculative, very volatile. I think when you're investing and when you're starting off investing, again, you don't want to put yourself off by investing in something that's so volatile that scares the bejesus out of you that you sort of go, oh, I'm not doing this again, you know, and then you never save again because you go, well, I've lost all this money. Yeah, one of the psychological things with investing is is knowing your time horizon. Um, you you're often looking at your friends and seeing what they're doing, and they're on a completely different journey. They they might be saving up for something else. They might be investing for some other time horizon. But you've got to know what your time horizon is. Um, if you're expecting to make tons of money in the first year, then you've got to be very very speculative, and you've got to you've got to accept that you're going to potentially lose all your money. Um, if you have a longer time horizon, you uh, you save for that that horizon and you don't focus on what other people are doing around you. Yeah, but you'll only hear from the mates that are making loads of money. You won't hear from the ones that have lost lots of money doing stuff. <laughs> it's just the way that it is out there. I, I, I agree with you on the time horizon. I think when you start off, not putting too many caveats on how long do I want this for, because I think actually... A lot of people get into this part of things to just build up a war chest. And there's not necessarily a specific time horizon on it. It's actually just getting started and getting that going. And again, I think 
you know, it's it's more more actually making sure that you have a sort of a balanced portfolio in there that's not too high risk, not too volatile, something that's sustainable that can just building in that the experience of investing. You know, if you go in too hard too early and try and think that you can day trade from the moment dot with no experience, you're going to get your fingers burnt. Whereas if you have a quite consistent balanced portfolio, yes, there will be some volatility to it, but not so much that you're going to burn your fingers off. Um, and so, so from from my perspective, I think it's a get, about getting somebody to get started, just do a little bit, just start building up that process. And, and, and then, yeah, as you get more experience and understand things more, you can then take more risk. Yeah. And, and a lot of people do that with their pensions. You know, they actually suddenly realize that their pensions are invested into a balanced portfolio. They're not touching it for 30 years. Actually, I should be taking a lot more risk with my pension. Um, and, you know, difficult when you're getting started, you don't know when you might need this war chest. And so you don't want to be taking too much risk, but you need to take some level of risk just to be able to get some decent returns on the money that you're having. The saying goes, risk is the price we pay for investing. It's not pounds and pence, it's risk. So if you want to actually have a return, you have to accept that there is going to be volatility, there is going to be risk. Um, You mentioned a balanced portfolio. It's probably a good time to go into the assets and what actually a balanced portfolio is. A balanced portfolio, um, and going back to something we discussed on our last podcast about sustainable withdrawal rates and balanced portfolios, there's a lot of different views within the industry on that. But generally speaking, you're looking at 50 to 60% in a sort of global equity side of things. And then the other 40 or 50% would be held into non-equity investments. So that could be uh, fixed interest securities, which are um, investment grade corporate bonds, treasury gilts. Um, you could be investing into commercial property, alternative assets, which are, you know, a variety of different sort of multiple assets classes that don't tend to work in the same way as equities. Um, so generally speaking, you're sort of, and cash. I mean, everyone knows cash. Um, cash is uh, instantly accessible. It's very, what we call very liquid. Those are the benefits of it. The biggest risk with cash is um, inflation risk. So over time, cash erodes value, especially over the last few years. Um, Next is bonds. So bonds where you're lending money to governments or corporations, they're also termed as fixed interest because they pay a fixed interest on the amount you're lending them. Those get traded on a secondary market and they fluctuate in value on the secondary market which uh, is very sensitive to interest rate rises. So as the interest rates rises, bond prices go down to accommodate for the rise in the interest rates. So I won't go into all the technical details, but bonds are seen as more safe um, than equities, which I'll get on to next, but higher risk than cash. So equities is where you own a part of a company. So you you actually own that company, um, and they're also called shares because you have a share in that company. Um, Those are a lot more volatile, so things move up and down a lot more. They're traded far more liquidly. They're traded every minute, every day, um, and you'll see them go up and down. But over a longer time horizon, you'll always get better returns from from shares or equities. Um, But they are more volatile, so that's the risk with those. Then you've got commercial properties. Um, So this can be anything from office space to shops to warehousing, um, anything on a commercial basis. Um, Those, the main risk of that is that uh, they're illiquid. Mm -hmm. 
so they they can you can have funds in in extreme circumstances have to shut down because they can't sell the property to pay out to the co- company you know to pay out to the people who want their money out um but they tend to they can move differently to other markets so when equities are having a bad year you can have commercial property having a good year um so it's a good diversifier and then you mentioned alternatives so those can be well, they can be derivatives. Yeah. Um, derivative is where it derives its value from an, the value of something else. So you're essentially, you know, putting bets on markets, putting bets on how things will move. Yeah. That's a derivative. And then you've also got commodities, which is oil, gas, gold, gold silver, all the metals, pig's bellies, <laughs> and orange juice, which is also a traded commodity. Yeah. Um, and those again can be used in a in a, in a portfolio. They can be used in a fund to try and make profit wherever, you know, no matter what. In an absolute return fund, they'll do a lot of derivatives trading. Um, so that's the kind of asset class. Yeah. And when we talk about a mix of assets, we we just do it, as you say sixty or a percentage yeah. of what we have in shares and equity, the, mo- the most volatile of them. Mm-hmm. And then the rest we build up from the other assets, yeah. so property, um, bonds, and alternatives. Yeah. Absolutely. And again, you've got to have, as you said, talking about the equity side of things, you have to have enough of those long-term you know, growth-based equity assets, hence why you have that sort of 50 60%, because if you had any lower than that, then you're in a very conservative portfolio. You can do that. If you're very risk-averse, you would probably move down to that direction, especially if your goals are sort of reasonably short-term, sort of five years. You wouldn't want to take too much risk on the table. Um, but generally speaking, that 60-40 portfolio is, is, is where a lot of clients would sit where they want to have accessibility, but they still want long-term returns. Um, and again, one of the biggest things as an advisor is sitting with a client and actually teaching them the sort of it, risk and what, what they can expect from investing in a certain portfolio. And I think... You know, we were talking downstairs um, earlier on with some of the advisors in our office and saying about expectation management. I think the biggest thing with any of these things you get into, you get into the sort of the Bitcoins and the, and the, you know, the Ethereums and all this type of stuff that's out there and the day trading. And you're talking to friends that are telling you that they made lots and lots of money on it. Your expectation is you're going to make money. And then when you start losing and losing and losing you sort of the reality is a lot it's quite hard whereas actually i think one of the biggest things is to have an expectation is look this is not a flat upward trajectory that's always going to make money there will be negative years you know yeah. 2022 is a great example where pretty much all asset classes were down you know whether it was global equities whether it's fixed interest securities especially with the interest rate rises um even alternative assets even commercial property did really, really well at the first half of the year and then terribly the second half of the year and ended up in sort of just just about breaking even, I think, last year. Um, so you have got that sort of variety of classes and different periods of time where things won't go brilliantly. But by having a diversified portfolio, it allows you to weather those storms in better. Um, but if you're prepared to have more volatility, you can increase that. And if you're not prepared to have that volatility, less of that. Um, and volatility really is how much of a roller coaster you're prepared to go on you know if you go to alton towers you know i'm i'm not great on roller coasters so i would probably be on the teacups um whereas i'm pretty sure you'll be on big thunder mountain or whatever the most crazy one Damn is straight. yeah yeah <laughs> so you know everybody is different when they when it comes to their attitude with this so i think again 
understanding that you know if you've got a large proportion of equities you're going to have more volatility you've got to be prepared for the fact that the valuations will fluctuate dramatically and if you're not prepared for that reduce the exposure you have on that on that pot yes. um, from that side of things as well um but let's go back to the habit side of things and actually getting started and actually doing that yeah you know from your perspective what would you say is the 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 first and the best habit that you can build up when you're when you're starting off investing Ooh. Yeah, I would say um, paying yourself first, learning to pay yourself, as we've spoken about before. So when you get your paycheck, there should be a direct debit that goes out that same day, like any other bill, which goes into either a savings account or into an investment. Um, I think it's really important that you have an emergency cash fund before you start investing. So the problem with investing is... You, you don't want to put all your money into it because you don't know when there might be a time when your car breaks down and you need money out. And then you've got no cash. You've got to then go into your investments and cash them, not a, a choice, you know, your timing. So the markets might be down at that point. You have to take the money out again. So having about three months worth of expenditure is always very important as a cash fund. Um, and then that gives you the flexibility to invest more and know that you can tie that money away for the long term because you have that pot of cash i think there's also a very strong element of actually if you can get into the habit a positive habit of going actually i'll build up that emergency fund through monthly regularly saving yeah. into a separate account most bank accounts come with an instant access and a savings account attached to them or you can set one up straight away with your bank account and say right i'm going to move every month a couple of hundred quid, 200 quid, 300 quid, whatever you feel comfortable doing into that savings account. And that will build up and build up. Okay, it's not investing, it's not going to make great returns. Interest rates aren't going to be spectacular, but you're still getting into the habit of building up. Once that money's built up to a certain level that will cover you for that sort of three months of expenditure, then you can then change your focus and go, right, rather than that going in there, this is now going to go into my investment portfolio. And build that up from there. But your habit is already built. That regular, you, you, you don't see that money every month. It's already gone. You're paying yourself already. There's a pot here for, you know, as you say, the car breaking down or the boiler going or whatever it might be. But you, you've you've got that habit built in. And I think, you know, the strong habit of having that that that's regular saving going out is really really powerful. Um, and again, what I'd also sort of really recommend is is, is sort of. Yeah, you know, never, never. A uh, watch pot, pot a watch kettle never boils. It's the old, it's the old phrase that you used to hear. <laughs> Don't look at your portfolio every day expecting it to know what it's doing and to try and overtly sort of guess what the markets are going to do. You cannot guess what the markets are going to do. You know, even the best economists, the smartest minds of the world, think they know what's going to happen, and it does exactly the opposite of that as well. Um, and so, you know, as long as you've got a really good diverse portfolio, don't worry about it too much. Don't overly analyze it because actually, you actually can be, do more damage from overly analyzing your portfolio rather than just letting it grow and grow and, and just just keep going. Yeah. You know, and and the best thing is almost to sort of fire and forget. It's just invest it, let it go. And just keep doing that because actually the benefits of pound cost averaging can massively outweigh overanalyzing the portfolio and making changes because what you tend to make changes based on is short-term past performance. And as we know, it's no guide, no guide to future returns. And actually what you tend to find is people are sort of, you know, selling at the top and buying at the bottom 
which would be buying at the top or, or or buying, at the top of, <laughs> sorry, the way, yeah, buying at the top and selling it to the bottom rather than the other way around which, yeah. which would be the better yeah. way of doing things and actually just you know try not to think about it too much and just just make sure you do it regularly enough and eventually what you'll see is that the pound cost averaging build up and the pound cost averaging is the benefits of investing monthly regularly yeah. whatever the markets are doing so actually clients that were regularly investing last year have done really really well because they kept investing even though the markets were going down and they were monthly buying cheaper and cheaper and cheaper prices. Yeah. Whereas people that might that invested as lump sum would have struggled. But actually, those people that have held off and held off, as we've sort of seen, the markets have started to rise again. And it's like, oh, do I invest now? Do I invest now? It's like, well, it's too late. The number of clients that have come, you know, now that there's a bit of positivity in the markets at the moment, the number of clients who are now all of a sudden interested in investing and and calling up and saying, oh, yeah, now I think it's the right time. Yeah. Well, actually, the right time was back in June when the market bottom hit. When is the best time to invest? How is the best time to invest? Well, now is the best time to invest. Yeah. yeah. And I don't care when this podcast is listened to or when it goes out, now's the best time to invest. Just yeah. start now. Forget what's going on in the market. Forget the sort of noise you hear in the news. There will always be negative news about the markets. You know, I, I always always joke in the office that the, the news will always tell you when the markets have lost billions of pounds. They don't tell you when they've made billions of pounds. It's great to say that Elon Musk has been, you know, lost the most amount of money ever, but he's also made certainly a massive amount of money in that time as well. So I think there's definitely a, a, a strong point for having that positive mindset of going, forget what's going on outside, focus on what you can control, keep Keep the keep to the mantra of constantly investing. You will build up a big pot of money over over all economic cycles. That's very interesting, and I think the book Atomic Habits um, by James Clear is a very good book to read. It talks about setting goals, but the goal isn't the important thing. It's it's the systems you put in place to reach that goal, which is important. Um, And it's just making small changes to enable that to, to you achieve that goal. So Olympian might have a goal of, of winning a gold medal, but if, he, if that's all he's focused on, then they'll never achieve it. If they then looked at, okay, what do I have to put in place to achieve that goal? What's the system that I have to have? What's the diet I have to have, the training schedule? All of this is, is setting up habits um, and, and doing the, the, more, the less friction you have of those habits, the better. So having it as a direct debit that goes out, not having any kind of manual process, just less friction, the better, not overthinking things, not overanalyzing things. And as you say, not looking at the markets day in, day out, just knowing that your goal is 10, 15 years down the line and don't worry about the minutiae of day to day. Yeah. Yeah. And, and again, as you say, friction is the, is the worst habit. It's having to manually do stuff in our very busy lives. We've got a lot going on, you know, and everybody I speak to is busy. I've, I don't speak to many people and go, oh, I'm chilled, Not, nothing's going on. It's like, no, life's busy. Everything's busy. Everybody's got stuff going on. Um, and so, you know, actually the more you can, as you say, make things automated and make it regular and not worry about it, the more powerful those habits will become. And those habits will will hold you in really, really good stead for when future bigger decisions have to be made. Yeah. Um, and you know, if you if you're you start young and have the habit of regularly saving and actually looking at what you have coming in monthly and go, actually, I can probably get rid of it. I can do something with this bit, and I can definitely survive off of that part of it. Um, 
you know, those kind of habits and those kind of psychologically positive decision-making processes you can go down will hold you in really good stead later on down the line. I think that's really important. I mean, I remember when I started investing, um, I was probably in my, well, actually I was, I was about 18, I think, when I made my first investment. And, I, and that was in stocks. So I, I actually bought shares in companies. And I, I kind of, I thought of myself as, as some, some kind of genius investor who'd, yes. who'd look at the company returns and try and do all the analysis on the company the PE ratio and all that stuff. I tried reading up all about it and, um, you know, how to read accounts for companies. And and I even got into the technical analysis of charts and when things bottom out and the, the, the double what's it and all that stuff, <laughs> looking at the 200-day average, yeah. all of that kind of stuff. And I always, apart from a couple of shares, I always lost money because I was, um, I, well... I didn't have the guessing. time. And it, yeah, you're, you're effectively guessing. And also, you don't have the patience for it. You, unless you're a really good investor. And I, I guess I, I also didn't have the cash reserves of the emergency fund at the time as well. So I'd have to then sell the blooming shares. Um, there's a lot to be said for just letting someone else do it. <laughs> yeah. But, but again, and again, that comes to diversification as well. If you're just buying lots and lots of little shares, or sorry, or large amounts of a single share... And that happens to be, let's say, Tesla, which has obviously gone down significantly recently, um, um, or a, a company that can be quite volatile. That's that's quite a dangerous game. I think diversification of asset class, but also diversification within that asset class is really key. So actually, it's a lot easier when you first start to invest into a tracker or a fund, depending on your preference. I've never been someone to... Um, sort of knock either either they both work very very well for for individuals but just invest in something that's diversified if you invest into single company shares as you say you then get into how are they doing what's going on you know the amount of people i speak to that are, are guessing what they're going to do and it, it's a fool's game you can never guess what's going to happen to share prices but what you if you're in a in a diversified portfolio or in your you're in a global index tracker global equity index tracker or in a global equity fa- managed fund that's invested in such a wide range for you. You still have the economies of scale of a big manager investing enough into those stocks that actually that that will uh, allow you not to have to worry about the day-to-day individual stuff that's going on. Yeah, and the important thing is that these these managers, you may be paying a, a small, you know, a, a fraction of a percentage point to a manager to to manage all those funds for you, but they they're looking at. Um, you know they're looking at the correlation of all their their investments so they they're not putting everything in in retail for example they'll have some in retail they'll have some in technology they'll have some in commodities yeah. you know oil gas they'll have some in you know in in mining yeah. and they'll diversify you know sectors so that if there is a retail crash their portfolio will still hold up and 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 the biggest thing as well is that because they're not, you know, they, they, they tend to take the emotion out of the investing. They tend to have systems and procedures and a team of anal- analysts that are looking at the detail you talked about on a day-to-day basis. That's their job. Yeah. And also they'll take out the emotion because it's not necessarily their specific money. They care about it and they want to make sure it makes money. That We're all in the, you know, wanting to make sure that happens. But they don't necessarily have the personalized emotional attachment that you might have to your own money of going, oh, my God, it's fallen down. I should sell it rather than them going, well, actually, it's now better value. I'm going to buy more of it, which a good investment manager would probably look at. So, you know, uh, that's why, you know, I've always 
pass the buck and let somebody else manage the money for me. A, because I don't have time day to day to look at it. And secondly, you know, they can add value if they're good fund managers. Now, don't get me wrong. There are some good fund managers, not so good fund managers. Um, but, you know, that that even even a sort of an average fund manager is going to do good things with your money if it's well looked after. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, getting somebody else to help you with that is really important. Okay, cheers, Ed. And uh, thanks to all the listeners out there today. Uh, if you are enjoying this, then don't forget to uh, click on like and to follow. subscribe yep. or follow or however your podcast allows you to. And look forward to uh, more to come. We'll be back in two weeks' time. Thank you.